you need motivation and inspiration to get you off the couch and boss up? We've got you covered. Welcome to the Build or Destroy podcast. Self-improvement, education, business, relationships, financial literacy, investing, and doing for self. Let's do this. Here's your host, Anthony Barber Jr., a.k.a. The Builder. What's up, good people? It's your boy, The Builder, once again, back with another episode. And in this episode, we're going to be touching on something that uh, a lot of people have asked about, and that's uh, profit-taking, things of that nature, Uh, when to do it, when do I do it. The answer to that, real to keep it simple, is it's up to you. But I will give my perspective on things uh, as it pertains to that moving forward. So here we go. Basically, uh, the way I approach things is uh, in bites. You know, like like the old saying goes, like, what's the best way to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That's the best way to eat an elephant. And that's how you got to look at, you know, your overall process. It's one big elephant. And in order to devour this thing, you got to take small bites. You know, you can't try to eat the whole thing in one bite. And I think a lot of people get caught up in um, compare and contrast. They try to, you know... I'm not going to say, like, compare, like just blatantly compare themselves to somebody else, but, like, I mean, we live in a, a internet society where people are constantly uh, in view and have access to, you know, millions of other human beings and what they're doing or what they think they're doing. You know, nobody really has, like, a 100% insight on somebody's life. Um, unless they live with that person. Let me just say that first and foremost. You know, most people only show you what they want to show you. Um, Some of us are more transparent than others. You know, some of us share a lot of, you know, more personal parts of ourselves than than other people do. Some people, you know, go out their way to, like, try to assist people and try to interact with people as much as possible and, you know, get feedback, whether it be positive or negative, doesn't matter. Um, Point is, like, the way that I usually approach things, as far as, like, profit-taking, is I have short-term goals and I have long-term goals. And, like, let's say a short-term goal for, like, a new investor, somebody that's just new in the game, it's all predicated upon how much capital you start with right and it's not that you need a certain amount of capital to get started 
It's just that when you have a certain amount of capital at your disposal, you have to be just as cautious with $100 that you do with $100,000. I would probably argue and say like the person that has more money to invest actually should be even more scrutinizing of the process than somebody with less money to invest. That's just my personal perspective on the matter. And I say that because, you know, um, your eyes can be bigger than your stomach. You know, when you have a lot of leverage, when you have a lot of money to play around with, not not that this is a game, but like when you have a lot of money to use or at your disposal, you know, a.k.a. leverage, you know, you can get beside yourself. It's like Thanksgiving dinner. You know, it's like I can have anything I want. You know, it's like that doesn't necessarily mean you should just load your plate up and dig in. You know, you can get a stomach ache that way. Um, Stock market investment of any kind is the same thing. You don't want to overdo it. You don't want to overextend yourself. So I have uh, short-term goals and I have long-term goals. So, like, if I start, I, I treat uh, $100 the same way I would I like I would tell a client that had $100,000 that was just getting into investing. And believe it or not, it's a lot of people with a lot of liquid capital that never really invested in stock or crypto or anything. They're just now getting in the game. So... Uh, I do consultations and, and, and mentoring and coaching, you know, all the time with people that like are like totally green, like, and they're like, the person with a hundred thou is just as nervous as the person with a hundred. You know, it's it never fails. It's uh, it's quite interesting to see actually. But I always start with short-term goals, and I always make sure those goals are like realistic. So. I would person with a hundred dollars, like I would tell them, you know, focus on, you know, percentage, not necessarily focus on uh, money, you know, because, you know, this is it's a, it's a law of averages, you know. So it's like you're you're at a disadvantage because you don't have a lot of leverage that that allows you to have a substantial amount of share. So it's like it's one of is one of, you know, it's a couple ways you can go about it. And. You know, one way in particular is to find really like low floating stocks, you know, uh, like the OTC, you know, is a, is a good medium for people with not a lot of capital. You know, like not everybody can just go and buy, um, you know, f- 500 Tesla shares or you know, 500 Apple shares and, and things of this nature, you know, you can, yes, you can start slow, but to, to the, most people I start with, they're not like, they don't have an old school mentality. And I talked about this in a previous episode, like there is a, there is two, two different mentalities. There's a old school mentality type of investor and there's a, there's a new school mentality and the new school is kind of ruling things right now. It's a lot of young people. It's a lot of first-time investors jumping in the market like with that new school ape mentality you know like and they're more emotionally driven so i have to like really beat logic into a lot of people's heads you know where there weren't wasn't any at before so i stress the importance of a short-term goal so so a short-term goal would be to just focus on percentage gains five ten to twenty percent if you can get 5%, cool. If you can get 10%, even better. If you can get 20%, hell, that's that's rock star right there. Like, 
and then you just start over. So if you have $100, uh, your short-term goal would be to make 5% on that short on that on that $100 by investing it in a a, a low floating uh, penny stock. And everybody has their own, you know, scope of what a low float is. You know, the float is basically the uh, outstanding shares or for to really be accurate, it's the restricted shares, you know, uh, or the unrestricted shares, I'm sorry, um, of a company. And that kind of shows you the actual number of shares that are available to trade on the open market. Um, me personally, I try to go for uh, companies, especially like in the beginning when I didn't have a lot of money to work with. I'm not looking for a company that's super liquid, that has like a gajillion uh shares outstanding you know i mean not that i do now but i'm just saying and especially in the beginning like i try to keep it under at the most when it comes to a penny stock and especially i try to keep it under um anywhere my range is like my my sweet spot is like under a billion shares obviously but you know they're getting harder and harder to find those because you know a lot of you know companies dilute and you know their their share count increases so it's kind of hard to like catch them before they do that so like to be realistic like the range would be ideally you know 500 million shares outstanding to 5 billion just to keep it real with you you know like i've seen plenty of uh companies with a 5 billion outstanding share count go well into the dollar range dollar plus range you know no problem um, it just depends on, you know, volume and, you know, hot money and a lot of different factors. But, it, you know, it can't happen. But I try to just be realistic. So if I got 100 bucks, I'm going to look for I'm looking for like sub penny uh, low floats anywhere between a, a half a million to two billion outstanding max. Because, you know, I want my because I wanted to move you know I want to get a nice swing trade out of it. Uh, or a nice momentum trade out of it, you know, because those stocks move a lot easier, you know, with low volume and they move extremely easy when the volume comes in from a catalyst or things of this nature. So especially somebody with a, like a small amount of money can do a lot of damage real quick and increase their uh, their portfolio. Um, and another thing, uh, writing plans down. This is something else that I stress to my clients. Um, people that I consult with and that's uh, writing plans down you should always write plans down write a game plan down have a have a notepad have a like have one of those little little pocket spiral notebooks on you at all times or or and the reason I, I say that is because <clears throat> it's more intimate than using your phone and it and it holds you accountable because you you not only have to have the notepad on you but you have to have like a, a pen on you you know, or a pencil or something like that to actually physically write it, you know. And a lot of people that, that would jump down my throat and say, well, I'm not doing all that. That's too much work. It's like that lets me know what type of mindset they're in. Like it's a, it's more of an exercise than of labor, you know, because investing is a labor of love. So it's like it's an exercise. It's a mental exercise to like see if this person is actually committed to getting better. Because if I say, oh yeah, just use your cell phone to, to take notes, people are gonna say, oh yeah, no problem. But they're not gonna do it. Cause it's, believe it or not, like they won't do it nine times out of 10. So it's like, if I tell you to get 
a, a notepad for a dollar at the dollar store and a and a pack of ink pens, you know, for a couple bucks. You know, that's an investment right there off the top. So if you can invest five bucks in yourself, then I already know that you're not ready to invest in the stock market. See what I'm saying? It's literally that it's that simple of a of a, of a, of, a, of a flip of a switch in the brain. And when I break it down to people like that, they're like, oh, shit, you know, like, yeah, you're right. It's like, $5. Put $5 into yourself. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you you want help to learn how to trade, but you can't even invest $5 and take a few minutes out of your day to, like, take some notes. Take some quick notes down on what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. You know, secondly, uh, and this all plays into the short-term goal, you know. So it's like you have a hundred bucks. Your short-term goal might might be to make a, another hundred, to double it, basically make a hundred percent, you know, make two hundred dollars. Okay, cool. That's your short-term goal. So how you gonna get there? You know, you know, it, to get a hundred dollars, that's a hundred percent. So you can get there any way, a, a number of combinations, you know, a hundred different combinations. You can get there 1% at a time. You can get there 5% at a time, 3% at a time, 20% at a time, 30% at a time. It just depends on the nature of, of how you trade and, and or what you invest in, you know, and, and the, the market climate and what's moving and what's grooving, you know, it just depends. So you have to be mindful of that. And that's why research is important. So, you have to know exactly what your exit is and be totally unemotional about it. Because remember, you're behind the eight ball. You don't really have a lot of money to work with. You know, you're the, you're the small fish in a big pond or you're the small fish in the ocean, I should say. At that point, if you got a hundred bucks or something like that, you're just trying to make a double and then and then compound that into another double, make 300, compound that again, make 400. You know, you can slow roll it like that until you get a thousand, you know. And every dollar you get over your initial hundred is to the good. So you have to you have to look at it like that too. You can't be pissed off when you miss out on you know eighty percent gains because something you so uh, kept running. You know you're not in it for that. Not yet. You know you're not really you don't have leverage to where you can sit on your hands and like and say yeah I'm gonna take a little bit of profit here. And then I got so much house money. You don't have that much leverage. You can't buy that many shares, okay? So you have to, like, really be a sniper about it um, in the short term. Uh, another thing, you know, it's really good to track your wins and losses. And this goes back to writing down plans. So uh, you have to be a strategist when it comes to, like, getting in and out of your trades. And you have to be unemotional. So... Like I said, focus on the double up, but you have to, you know, write down how, how, what you're doing. So like I'm investing in X, Y, Z stock, right? The float is X. The authorized share count is Y. Uh, the company sector is this. Um, uh, this is the 52 week high. This is the 52 week low. Uh, you know, this is what my buy-in um, price was, you know, and this is what my exit is has to be to to get profit. This is what I'm aiming for. This is what I'm aiming for on the 5% low range, 
and this is what I'm aiming for on the 20% high range. You know, you could, you know, write a little quick game plan down for yourself like that. Just give yourself a rundown of the company and really get familiar with your with your company and focus on that. Focus on it. So when when shit's not going right, you can cut losses and regroup. You know, you're not just stuck. Um, because like I said, you don't have the leverage available to where you can be uh, sitting there diamond handing something for a long period of time. You can afford to just let your money burn away or, or go down to damn near nothing, you know, unless unless you're prepared to do that. And that brings me to another point. Like, don't invest shit that you're not willing to lose. OK, like everybody lost money in this game at some point even the greatest like you know the greatest investors have lost money have took losses but the only thing about it is they don't tell you about their losses because they're when they because they win when they win their wins far outweigh their losses so they never bother bringing up their losses unless like somebody directly asks them about like hey what's your greatest loss or whatever then they'll tell you but they, the, the the big dogs in the industry don't really talk about losses because they know that it's going to happen but the person that is just getting in the game, you're, you know, your whole mentality is panic and worry and you're emotionally driven most of the time, no matter what you say, like you're, you're, you're always in like flight mode. You're not in fight mode. You're not really in it for the long haul. You know, you're not ready to go 12 rounds yet. So don't act like it. Don't kid yourself. You know, so cut losses quick. Um, be prepared to do that. You know, and if you're if you're willing to lose it all and you have a lot of conviction in this particular investment, then have have at it because, you know, it could turn and you could get those gains that you were looking for. You know, it just you might have to deal with a little bit of pain. Just FYI, if you're willing to deal with the pain. Cool. Um, but overall, like what's your plan after profit? What's your plan? Are you trying to compound and make your first thousand? You know, that way that can be kind of like a mental checkpoint for yourself. And, you know, are you trying to prove to yourself that you can do this? You know, because a lot of times like that, that checkpoint, like let's say from from 100 to 1,000, that might be a mental checkpoint for somebody to prove to themselves that, okay, I can really invest. I can really trade. I have the composure. I have the poise to do this. You know, for other people, it just might be to get a quick buck, you know, to pay a light bill or something. And that's cool, too, you know, because investment can, you know, you it's a it's a quick vehicle. It's the quickest vehicle you can jump into to to make some money, you know, get in and get out, you know, things of that nature. So you can leverage it for that, too. Just know what you're getting into also. Um, and I would say the, the, the meat of the situation is having a long term goal. So, like, what's your long term goal? Short term might be to compound that hundred dollars to a thousand. Okay, what happens after you get the thousand? You you know you can keep you know slow rolling it and make another thousand and another thousand and another thousand, and you can just keep that. You can play a conservative like that your whole investment career, and that's nothing wrong with that because profit is profit, right? You're making money. Um, that being said, you know you don't want investing after you get a certain amount of capital. I'm gonna just say this: after you get a certain amount of capital, you're gonna it's going to behoove you not to jump into other types of investments, alternative investments. So just keep that. That's more of a keep that in the back of your mind scenario. But just know it's going to come a point where, like, you're going to you're going to really be you're going to have some significant victories 
and you what got you there won't get you to the next level like so and the next level is like financial freedom the ultimate level is financial freedom so at some point in the journey especially if you if you're having significant success you're going to start looking at the world a little bit differently you're going to start looking at your family like damn you know you're gonna start looking at your kids your wife your spouse your significant other what have you like man i want to spend more time with this person i want to do this i want to travel i want to I want to make my I want to learn a different language. I want to learn martial arts. I want to learn how to play that instrument that I couldn't afford to buy years ago or when I was a kid and my parents couldn't afford it or I want my I want my son or my daughter to be able to do this or that because I never got to do it because my, my parents didn't have the funds and now I have the funds and or I'm getting close to having the funds and I'm starting to like your mind is going to expand. Once you once you keep going forward, you're not going to be able to go back. That's what's scary about investing to a lot of people. Like, the better you get at it, the more success you have at it, the more you the more you seek, the more you want. And the only way to get that is to stay grinding and keep educating yourself and to realize that the shit ain't going to get no easier. Because once you get the stock thing down, that's just one little thing. That's like a crumb compared to, like, all the different types of investments, equities, assets, real estate, land, um, you know, investing in gold and, and silver and, and rare metals and uh, foreign land, you know, Airbnbs and uh, small business creation. You know, it's, it's all types of long-term things in this. So, like, keep that in the back of your mind, too. It needs to be there because trust and believe, like, you know, when you have a plan for after you profit, you know, these are going to be things to keep you grounded, you know, because you're going to say, OK, cool. I finally got X amount of money. I know exactly where I'm putting it instead of you getting X amount of money and you're saying, holy shit, I don't have a plan for this money. What the fuck am I going to do? I don't have a plan. I don't know what I don't know where to put it. I don't know. Do I reinvest it? Do I do I buy a house like do I buy a car? Do I buy some bullshit I don't need? Like, and most people do that. They buy bullshit they don't need because it's like they're staring at more liquid than they had ever had before. And that's cool. You know, I, I blew I blew a bag before on, on some trivial shit that I didn't really necessarily need. You know, I bought foreign cars and, and things of that nature and stuff. But I, I mean, I wanted it, though. Like, you know, like I bought my bought one of my dream cars that I wanted, you know, that I always wanted for years. But I waited, you know, I waited before I bought it, but I still got it. I still copped it, though. So, you know, and I could have I could have bought another real estate property. You know what I'm saying? Like in hindsight, I could have I could have did a lot of things with the money. But it's like I chose to buy a car. It's like, OK, cool. I bought a car. Uh, I know. I know it's a liability. Yada, yada, yada. It's like, yeah, but every now and again, you know, hey, those are the things that build you. You know, those are the things that give you uh, hindsight and perspective. It's always good. Sometimes, you know, it can be a blessing in disguise. It's not all shit, you know. Uh, you take shit, you know, and some people take shit and they they, they run from it because it smells and stinks. Other people use shit as fertilizer. So it all depends on how you, how you look at it and your perspective on things. So just all in all, have a plan for after you make profit, no matter how big or small it is. Just have a plan. I stress that. And I can't stress that enough. 
So that was it, man. Have a plan. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Build or Destroy podcast with your host, Anthony Barber Jr., a.k.a. The Builder. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you can use to boss your life up. If you're interested in expanding your mind and reaching your definition of freedom and how these ideas and views can be applied in the real world, tap in with us next week. As always, you can head over to www.builderslsb.com to cop some motivation, dope merch, and sign up to our email list. And don't forget to check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode, folks. And as always, boss up instead of laying down.